This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Well, what happened on Good Friday? That's what we're thinking about this morning. What happened on Good Friday? Well, the Apostle Paul, just a few years after uh, the death and the resurrection of Christ, he wrote to the church in Corinth and he said these words. And, and I'm so excited about Scripture this morning. I don't know about you. But what he says in Scripture is so incredible. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which is you and me here this morning, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us. So reconciled, this word is going to come across a few times in the Scripture. Reconciled means restored relationship. Something was broken. Something was lost. But the the writer here, Paul, is saying something has been reconciled. Something that was broken and lost has been restored, has been brought back together in Christ. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Maybe, Maybe there's some brokenness in your family. Maybe there's some relationships that were established that have been lost. Maybe even this morning you feel a distance between you and God. Well, here's what scripture is saying. You can be reconciled. You can be reconciled with God. And actually, we can be reconciled with each other. We can participate and practice in the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come home to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What happened on Good Friday? Well, there's loads of images and ideas and ideas from Scripture I'm going to throw out this morning. What happened on Good Friday? Well, one thing that happened on Good Friday was that God reconciled us to himself. God brought us home. And how did he do that? Well, he did that in Christ. There's something about the death of Jesus, which means this relationship that was broken, this relationship that was lost, is now restored. That's one thing that happened on Good Friday. A relationship that was lost is reconciled, is restored. Uh, And in Matthew's Gospel... Matthew's Gospel, uh, at the end of Matthew's Gospel in chapter 27, it talks of the scene of the the day of crucifixion, this day that we now know as as Good Friday. And as Jesus was nailed to the cross, there was a sign uh, above Jesus' head. And the sign was kind of a, a mock. It was a mocking sign. And the sign simply said, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. And it was a, a sign that was designed to humiliate it was a sign that was um, designed to, um, to mock this Christ. You, you know, you think you're the king of the Jews. You know, you think you're in charge. Well, this is what we do to want to be kings. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Crosses were designed to humiliate. They weren't just execution methods. They were methods of torture. It wasn't just to kill people. It was actually to humiliate and to torture people. 
It's a billboard designed to let would-be rebels or freedom fighters know what would be awaiting them. It was a sign to say, you better not mess with the system. You know, you better not mess with the powers that be. Because if you mess, this is what happens to you. If you mess with us, this is your fate. This is, this is what's going to happen to you. The cross was a symbol of who was in charge. And it was clear, Rome was in charge. Violence ruled the day. It was an image that said, the people with the biggest guns, you know, the people with the, the biggest army, the people with the most military might, that's who's in charge. Rome, violence, empire. The cross wasn't just a method of execution. It was a sign and it was a symbol to say who was really in charge. And this is what happened to Jesus on Good Friday. Like what happened on Good Friday? Well, he was brutally tortured and killed. That's what happened on Good, on Good Friday. Jesus, who people thought was the Messiah, thought was the Christ. He was brutally tortured and murdered on a cross. That's what we remember. Why is it Good Friday? What an awful name for the day when you think about it in that idea. And for the people, his friends and his family who witnessed this and people who just days earlier had welcomed him into the city as the, as the king, as the redeemer, as the restorer, hope had died. As they're looking at the cross, as they're looking at this man tortured and bleeding and dying, it was like all hope had lost. Now, what happened on this Good Friday? Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived through World War II and actually died uh, during World War II, an activist and a, and a great Christian thinker, he said this, a king who dies on a cross must be the king of a rather strange kingdom. That's what Bonhoeffer's comment was. A king who dies on a cross must be the king of a rather strange kingdom. And you read this story and you say, yes, a strange kingdom. Maybe actually a, an upside down kingdom. Maybe a kingdom that doesn't work in conventional ways, a strange kingdom, a strange kind of king, an upside-down upside kingdom. Just a few days earlier, this king, Jesus, had entered Jerusalem, had entered the city, and people hailed his arrival as the coming king. But this king arrived in the city on the back of a donkey. He, he arrived in humility. He arrived not to this big pomp and circumstance and ceremony, but he arrived on the back of a donkey. Yes, a strange kingdom. Yes, we have a king, humiliated and naked and alone, dying on a cross. A strange, upside-down kingdom. A strange, upside-down kingdom where the broken are restored and the lost are found. There's this beautiful image on the cross in Luke's gospel where Jesus is struggling for his life. And there are two thieves on either side of the cross. Even in this moment, Jesus is bringing lost people home. He's bringing lost people to the Father. This morning, if there's any brokenness in your life, if there's any sense of lostness in your life, then yes, this is a strange kingdom. This is an upside-down kingdom where the broken, rather than being humiliated and being cast out, the broken and the lost and the weak and the feeble are what they're restored. They're made children of God. They're made sons and daughters. Yes, an upside-down kingdom where sin is forgiven. You know, religion has this amazing way, and, and society and life has this amaz amazing way of shaming people, of naming people and outcasting people. But something happens this day on the cross where sin, this thing, this thing that's used to put people out, sin is forgiven. 
even on the cross, Jesus says these words, Luke 23, 34. They're going to be on the screen. Luke 23, 34. Jesus says, as he's struggling to breathe, as he is literally dying, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He breathes out forgiveness. He ushers in forgiveness. Yes, a strange kind of kingdom, an upside-down kind of kingdom. The cross says to us that God, the Christian God, he suffers too. Now, maybe right now you're encountering kind of, some kind of suffering in your, in your life. And as you watch the world around you, then well, we realize that life is full of pain and suffering and difficulty. But the Christian God, the truth of, of what happened on Good Friday is that God suffers with us. God is in the midst of suffering. If there's pain or even if there's bereavement at the moment in our lives, if there's trauma or tragedy in our lives, then the Christian God is not distant. He's not somewhere else. He is on the cross. He died. He bled. He wept. He went through pain and suffering. He's not abstract or distant, but he cries and he weeps and he bleeds. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They used it as like a mock, as a humiliation. Tom Wright says this. The cross is the truest, surest, and deepest window of the heart and character of the living and loving God. I love that. On this brutal, awful day, this brutal, awful scene that we get in Scripture, there's something redemptive, and there's something beautiful, and there's something of reconciliation beginning to happen in the pain, and in the suffering, and in the heartache, and in the lack of hope, something is beginning to happen. Maybe, as Tom Wright says, it's the truest and surest and deepest window into the heart and character of the living and loving God. This is Jesus. Now we'll move on. This is Jesus, the King of the universe. They use this phrase, Jesus, King of the Jews, as a way of trying to humiliate him and, and mock him. But actually, uh, the, the writer of the book of Colossians, which is also the Apostle Paul, we've already read him in Corinthians. Later, as they're reflecting on what happened on Good Friday, like we're here today, thousands of years later, reflecting on what happened on this Good Friday. A few years later, Paul's reflecting what happened on this Good Friday. Well, this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. He says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. I love this image. Nailing it to the cross. What happened on Good Friday? Jesus was literally nailed to the cross. But actually, there was an upside down. There was a strange, there was a mystery going on. That as Jesus was nailed to the cross, actually, there was something of our sin and something of our shame. There was something else that was being nailed to the cross to that day. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, picture this. Jesus has been mocked and humiliated, bleeding and dying on the cross. But there's something else going on. That's what appears to be going on. But Colossians 2.15 says, that's not the real thing. There's, there's something deeper and more incredible happening. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. 
So for the people on that day, and for us as we look back, it's a picture of shame, and it's a picture of humiliation, it's a picture of death. But actually, we see that on this Good Friday, there was something deeper happening, that Jesus was triumphing over sin and shame and death. Actually, those things were being nailed to the cross. Why? Well, I'll read one more bit from Colossians. This is, this is the why. This is why. Because this is who Jesus really is. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, was saying Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just another, you know, thousands of people were crucified. Almost every day, there was a public execution. There was another crucifixion and another crucifixion. It was, it was a form of torture and execution for wannabe rebels. So Jesus being crucified in history, in one way, is nothing special. It's horrific, but, it's, but lots of people were crucified. But this is Jesus the king of the universe. Let me read you these words from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son, as in Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So then everything, he, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Now, here's the bit for us, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What happened on Good Friday? What happened on Good Friday? Well, sin and shame and death was defeated and nailed to the cross And Christ triumphed over them. Why? Because this is Jesus, the king of the universe. What happened on Good Friday? God was putting the world right. God was reconciling all things. God was reordering the way things were going to work. Would empire and evil and violence ultimately triumph and ultimately win? There was a moment on Good Friday where that looked like it was the case. There was a moment on Good Friday where it looked like evil and violence and empire would win the day. But as we reflect and as we look back on Good Friday, we realize, no, actually evil and violence and empire was having its day. It was coming to an end and God was reordering everything. Death is now dethroned. Death, which seemed to be the ultimate end, death, which seemed to be the ultimate uh, weapon of empire, was now dethroned. And there was something else on the throne, and we call it life. We call it Jesus, the king of the universe. Shame is now cast out. Shame, this divisive thing which is used by communities to exclude this person or exclude that person. On the cross on this day, it was shame that was nailed up. It was shame that was cast out. It appeared the empire had snuffed out the revolution. But no, Good Friday is the day the revolution began. What happened on Good Friday? Well, there was a brutal um, torture and execution of a man that many believed was the Messiah. 
and it looked like all hope had lost. And they nailed him to a cross with a sign that says, this is your Jesus, the King of the Jews. Look at him die. But actually what happened on Good Friday was that death was reversed. That the power of sin and shame was uh, triumphed over by the victory of life and freedom and forgiveness. Death was dethroned and shame was cast out. And here's my last idea. This is Jesus. All hail the Lamb. Which seems like an odd thing to say. But there was something else going on on this Good Friday. This is Jesus. In John 19 verse 30, we have these incredible words. Jesus' last words on the cross. You may know these words, but as he's struggling to breathe and as he's holding himself up, he says with a a declarative voice. I imagine it being a strong, authoritative, declarative voice saying, it is finished. And what, what is finished? His life, like his life had come to an end. But what was he talking about? What was he referring to? It is finished. At the beginning of John's gospel, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who's kind of like a forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. What's he referring to? Like, what's, what's John the Baptist talking about there? Here is the Lamb of God. When you think of a lamb, what do you think of? You know, innocence, cuteness. I got an email this morning um, from a company trying to sell me something with a picture of a lamb, you know, that's meant to speak of spring and life and innocence and cuteness and all those kind of things. And here we have this early Christian image. For the early Christians, one of their strongest images was the image of a lamb. That the, the man, the Messiah, the Christ that they were following was signified, was imaged, iconized by a lamb. Here is Jesus. This is Jesus. All hail the Lamb. What were they referring to? What was going on here? Well, of course, for some of us know this and some of us know the the biblical story, that the night before uh, the crucifixion, which we know was Good Friday, the night before this, Jesus was having a meal with his friends. Uh, And later this morning, we're going to share this meal, this meal communion. And Jesus was having a meal with his friends. We now know it is the Last Supper because it was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples the night before he was betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. But for the Jewish people, because Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus was at a festival called Passover, and the meal they were eating together was called the Cedar Meal, this meal on this, this night before the Passover festivities began. And Jesus is eating this meal with his friends. And, and the meal included uh, wine and unleavened bread and, and lamb and all these different uh, ingredients and dishes. And, and the festival remembered the Passover. And this comes from a story way back, thousands of years ago, in Egypt, where the Hebrew people that we now know as, uh, as the Jews, uh, they were slaves. They were slaves in the nation of, of Egypt. And it was a horrible, hard life in slavery, in oppression uh, to, the, to the Egyptian masters. And then a man rose up. Uh, we know him as Moses. And he rose up as a leader of his people. And God's commission to Moses was, set my people free. And there's this whole kind of power struggle between Moses and, and the Pharaoh. And eventually, eventually, the people of God had this confidence that God was going to set us free, that God was going to lead us into freedom. 
and kind of the final act in their road to being allowed to be free, to become a, to become a tribe, to become a people, to become a nation, was this night called Passover where they had this, this idea of the spirit of death would pass over the different homes. And the homes that had the blood of a lamb, this is all kind of ancient and maybe a bit barbaric in our minds, and, but the, the blood of the lamb would be painted over certain houses. And if a house had the blood of the lamb painted over it, then the spirit of death would pass over those houses. And that's the houses that belong to the, the Jewish people, the Jewish tribe. And so for centuries later, still now, the Jewish people remember Passover. They remember that God set them free. They remember that once upon a time, they were captives, they were enslaved, they were an oppressed people. But now they were free. They were free people. Why? Because of this mystery of the blood of the Lamb. So here's Jesus the night before uh, the crucifixion. You know, the night before, he was about to face what he was about to face. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And it's, and it's spilt for you. And this is my body. And my body is going to be broken for you. And the, disciple, the disciples knew all about Passover. The disciples did this every year from little boys. They would have taken part in the Passover. They knew the story. They knew the Exodus story. They knew the Moses story. They knew the Pharaoh story. They knew the plague story. They knew all these stories, but suddenly in this moment, Jesus is saying, this story isn't just an ancient story that affected our ancestors. This story is happening right in front of you. I'm about to complete this story. The culmination of this story is about to happen right in front of your eyes. I am this lamb who's about to be slain. And not just for one tribe and for one people, but actually for all tribes and for all people, for all time. This is about to happen. This is Jesus. What happened on this Good Friday? Well, freedom for all people, for all time. Life, forgiveness, restoration, a restored relationship. Because of what Jesus achieved, it meant that we could experience that freedom. And in a moment, in a moment, we're going to be invited together to share in this communion. So this ancient Passover festival that the, that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people celebrate together, still celebrate together now, actually became a, an instrumental part of early Christianity. We began to call it communion or Eucharist or it may be from different traditions and call it different things. But we remember this was about freedom. This was about bloodshed so there could be forgiveness for all humanity, for all of time. This was about reconciliation. It was about coming home to the Father. It was about freedom. It was about being the people of God. So what happened on this Good Friday? Was this death in vain? And was all this humiliation and all this shame in vain? Certainly not. Certainly not. This Good Friday, is, it's a good news story. It's a story full of pain and full of suffering. And if, if even today your life and your circumstances feel full of pain and full of suffering, then the Good Friday story says that God is with you in that. God went through all of that. Jesus suffered and died, and he's with you even now. God is not distant or abstract, but God is with us. And actually, the Good Friday story is a story of victory, of ultimate victory. Why? Because this is Jesus, the king of the universe. 
I love Paul's revelation about Jesus. That this isn't just another guy. This isn't just another wannabe rebel. This is the king of the universe. This is the one who holds the whole thing together. Who is leading and dying. Who gave up his life so that we could live. This is Jesus. The lamb who was slain. So that we could experience freedom and forgiveness and reconciliation. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.